0: Hello and welcome from Harbour Church, Portsmouth. My name is the Reverend Catherine Message. I'm one of the curates here and it is our privilege to be leading the national online service from the Church of England this morning on this, the fourth Sunday after Trinity. We love to start our services with sung worship here at Harbour. So I'd encourage you to join in with the next two songs. It's a really important value of ours to worship together as a family. And so one of these songs has actions to help you do that. So I'd encourage you to get off the sofa if you can, stretch, warm up and join in as we worship together.
1: With God, nothing will be
2: impossible.
1: For he is our
2: God. And the God of salvation is making all things new. Amen.
3: That echoes through the valley. You're the voice that's stirring in the wind. Even when the enemy is shouting, you're the voice that calms the storm within. You're a
4: and afraid I look to your word and I know you will light my way So I'm marching on with a spring in my step I keep moving forward I'm not looking back With Jesus beside me I won't give up just yet I am strong and courageous For the Lord God is with me and He'll never leave me Every step of the way So I don't need to worry No, I don't need to fear For the Lord God is with me and He'll never leave me We Lift our voice to the walls, give way. We sing for joy and we shout your praise. We lift our voice to the walls, give way. We sing for joy and we shout your praise. We lift our voice to the walls, give way. We sing for joy and God is with me, and He'll never leave me every step through the way, so I don't need to worry, no I-
0: enjoyed worshipping with us this morning we'll have more opportunity for sung worship later in the service. One thing we are really passionate about here at Harbour Church is creating spaces where people can ask questions about faith and the meaning of life. One of the ways we do this is through our Alpha course, which we run every single term. We always hear and have our minds blown by amazing stories of people encountering Jesus and having their lives transformed. We'd love to show you just one of those stories. So please do watch this video where we can meet Ethan and hear his story.
5: I moved to Portsmouth Uni in September, 2018. I didn't grow up going to church, in fact I really hated the idea of church in general. I didn't think that church was a place the students or young people went willingly. I didn't know any young people who went to church. I found out that one of the people who had become a really good mate at uni was a Christian. I kind of started to notice that there was something different about him, his outlook on things, the way he handled himself in difficult situations there was no way I could have ever imagined that any of what he believed was true. He invited me along to a church service, and although I felt super awkward going in, I actually really enjoyed it. I kept going back, but just because I'd met some great people, I didn't believe any of the Jesus stuff. In January, I was invited to Alpha. I think the only reason I said yes was because it was in a pub. I started seeing my questions being answered, But I still had the worry of, why would God want me now, after I've spent my whole life trying to prove he wasn't real? On the Alpha Day, we were given the opportunity to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As I was being prayed for, I just felt that all of my anxiety, my awkwardness left, and I felt such a sense of peace. Later that evening, when I was home alone, I started praying on my own for the first time. It was then that I just felt as if God was in the room with me telling me that I was loved. Alpha is the best thing I have ever done. I feel like I've been given a purpose and I'm able to use my creative skills in bringing more people to Jesus.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to Ethan's story and have maybe been inspired to tell your friends about Jesus or maybe to run an Alpha course yourself. Before we continue with our service, let's say the collect for the day together. Gracious Father, by the obedience of Jesus, you brought salvation to our wayward world. Draw us into harmony with your will, that we may find all things restored in him, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we are reading from Revelation 2, verses one to four. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words who hold the seven stars in his left hand and walk among the seven golden lampsteads. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not yet grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: The second reading today is John 10, 1-11. The Good Shepherd and His Sheep. Very truly, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he has brought all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. in fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this vigorous speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. therefore Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate." whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: The first reading we heard from there was from the book of Revelation. I don't know how familiar you are with that book. I know for me, it's not a book I frequently go to in my Bible study. So just to check that we are all starting from the same place, I thought we'd start with just a little introduction to the book of Revelation before we get into what God might be saying to us through the passage this morning. The book of Revelation was written by John, who was a disciple of Jesus. You'll find it right at the end of the Bible, the last book. And it was written in about 95 AD, where Christians were entering a time of real persecution. And it starts off, this book of Revelation, with these letters that are written to churches that were scattered across Asia Minor. And as you can imagine, if you are a church yourself or you know churches, Different churches are sort of battling different things, and so each letter is specific to them. We have letters uh, to churches that are facing persecution, churches that need to repent, churches that are practicing sexual immorality, a church that is told to wake up, churches that are encouraged to keep on going, a church that is challenged for being lukewarm. And then the, the letter that we read today is to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is a city on the western coast of Asia Minor and it was famous for its temple to Diana, this Roman goddess. And so the church is in a city where there is a lot of cult worship going on and this is where the church finds themselves. In this letter Jesus affirms the positive actions of the church. He says, I've seen your hard work, I've seen your perseverance, I've seen that you're a group of believers that are full of integrity, who are standing firm in the face of temptation... He says, You've persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Jesus sees their faith. He sees their suffering and he's really pleased with them. But they've forgotten their first love. They work hard, but it's not motivated by their love of Jesus. He says, You've forsaken me. You've forgotten why you do what you do. Yes, you work hard. Yes, you're standing firm in your faith. Yes, you're enduring persecution, but you've forgotten. Why? And at first, this might seem a bit harsh from Jesus. But he knows that they won't be able to sustain their faith or anything they're doing if they've forgotten the thing that motivated them in the first place. There's been loads of research done on what motivates people. Big companies spend lots of time and money looking into this because they want a motivated workforce that are going to work hard and ultimately make their money make them money. And research has shown that people are the most motivated when they know their why. When they know the reason behind what they're doing. There's a story of President JFK visiting the NASA Space Center in 1962 and he bumps into a janitor who's mopping the floor and he says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm putting a man on the moon. He knew his why. And I'm sure you might know this to be true from your own lives. When I was at university, I spent my first summer being a lifeguard. It's not as glamorous as it sounds. It's lots and lots of cleaning toilets, cleaning hair out of showers, blowing your whistle at people. Not that fun at all. Well, why did I do it? Because I loved the smell of bleach on my hands, because I wanted to be able to tell everyone that I'd saved a life. No one ever got in trouble, thankfully, while I was on duty. No, it's because I wanted to afford to go on holiday with my friends. That was my why. It's not a particularly noble one, but it motivated me. It was the reason that I worked hard at a job I didn't particularly like. The thing is, as soon as that why has gone, your motivation has gone. When they asked me to come back and work at Christmas, I'd already been on holiday. I didn't need to go back. And even if your why has got a bit more substance than that, it's not enough to motivate you forever. You might have got into your job or your degree because you wanted to change the world, but... That why is hard to hold on to when deadlines are looming, when your colleagues are annoying, when you're not earning as much as you thought you might. And so if I'm honest, I can really relate to that church in Ephesus. They're doing all the right things. They're standing firm in their faith. They're serving the poor. They're preaching the gospel. But Jesus says, you've forgotten your why. You've forgotten that the reason you're doing any of this is because I love you and you love me. You're going to burn out. You're going to get disillusioned with the church. You're going to find it harder and harder to stand up for what you believe in, in a city that already makes it really hard to be a Christian. And maybe I'm not just talking about Ephesus anymore. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes about, for us in this context, forgetting your why. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So the Bible is really clear. We can do the most heroic, most world-changing things, but if we don't have love, it doesn't mean much. When we forget our why, When we forget our first love, we run out of steam, we burn out, we get disillusioned. And personally, I'm not keen on that ending. I'm not keen on that way of living. I want to be in love with Jesus. I want to be in love with this good shepherd that we read about today in John. I want to be in love with the good shepherd who offers me life and offers me life to the full. I want to know my why. How then do we fall in love with Jesus? Well, How do you fall in love with anyone? You spend time with them, you get to know them. It's not rocket science, but if we want to fall more in love with Jesus, we need to spend more time in his presence. And that will look different for you and it will look different for me. I'd suggest it involves drawing into his presence daily, going to church, watching online, building a rhythm that brings us into the presence of Jesus daily and weekly. Worshiping together is really important because when we worship, we take our eyes off ourselves for a moment and remember the goodness of God. And when we do that, we fall deeper and deeper in love with Him. So we spend time with Him, we get to know Him. One of the main ways we do that is through reading our Bible. And here is the brilliant, beautiful thing about falling in love with Jesus when we get to know Him, there's no nasty surprises. There's nothing he said or did that is unlovable or anything that is a bit iffy. There's lots of challenge, sure, but he is the easiest person to love in the whole of history. And you know, the more I read about the life of Jesus, the more I love him. And actually, the more I like him. It's not like a grin and bear it kind of love, like an old auntie that you don't see very often. Loving Jesus is a genuine feeling, when I read about this man who turned the status quo on its head, this man who told the religious people that they were wrong, who made a beeline for exactly the people everyone else avoided, who stood up for justice without being patronising or smug, this man who turned water into wine to save a party host from embarrassment, who gave a group of misfits a purpose and then left the future of the church in their hands, who willingly put himself through being a baby, then a child, then a teenager then a nobody, then a celebrity, then a criminal, then a corpse. All because his love for humanity was greater than any love known in all of history ever. How could I not fall in love with him? And the wonderful truth about falling in love with Jesus is that this isn't an unrequited love. We will never be able to love him more than he loves us. He proved it when he died on the cross so that we could live full lives in relationship with him. In 1 John 4, another letter from John, he writes, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And later in the chapter, he writes, We love because he first loved us having our why as love is not our idea God got there first he found his why the moment he created his universe and he loved it and when we remember our why when we fall in love with Jesus for the thousandth hundredth or first time the stuff that we do is then born out of love not out of a sense of duty Being a Christian is not about trying really hard to do the right thing or straining to get into this perfect relationship with God. It's just loving Jesus. But as we love Jesus, things start to happen. We start speaking kindly of people we find difficult, standing up for injustice, making decisions that go against the grain. All of these happen more naturally because we know our why, because we're in love with Jesus. And a thing you might have noticed happen when people love each other, when people are falling in love, they start to share characteristics. Sometimes it's really annoying. People finish each other's sentences. They start to use the same phrases. They start sounding quite similar. But to a much greater extent, the more we love Jesus, the more like him we become, the more like him we sound. And that is good news for us, but it's really good news for our world. God's love isn't dependent on anything that we do. Whatever I do this week, I will be no less loved by the end of the week. God is already at max capacity. He cannot possibly love you any more than he does right now. But I want to love him more. I don't want to be like that church in Ephesus that had forgotten its first love. I want to fall more in love with Jesus. And the way we do that is the way we fall in love with anyone. We spend time in his presence and we get to know him. So I'd encourage you now to take a moment with me to walk into the presence of Jesus, to ask to love him more. If you're comfortable where you are, why not shut your eyes, put your hands out, just it's the way of your body and your mind being on the same page and saying, God, I want what you've got for me. So God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that there is nothing I could do to make you love me me less. Holy Spirit, would you fill me now? Would you remind me of my first love? Would I love Jesus more? And as I love him more, would I become more like him? Thank you for your love that we get
6: to experience and share with others. Amen. Let us now affirm our faith with the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
7: It's my privilege to lead you in prayer and I'm I'm delighted to start with these words from Paul in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I'd love us to pray for our world. I'd love us to pray for our nation and our city. So hold a place in your heart for each of those as we pray together. And I'd love to know that you're with me. After each section, I'll be saying, Lord, in your mercy, and you can respond at home, hear our prayer. Lord, we thank you for your world. We thank you for your goodness. We pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon the country we've chosen in our heart. We pray, Lord, you would bring peace there, that you would bring justice. We pray, Lord, that where there are people suffering from oppression, and a lack of freedom, that you would come and be their goodness and their peace at this time. We pray that you would bring peace where there is conflict. We pray, Lord, you would bring reconciliation. We pray that people would turn to you, Jesus, in the good things in life and in the difficult things. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Now we bring our nation to you, Lord. So we hold our nation in our hearts. We thank you for the leaders that you've given us. We pray, Lord, that you would bless um, our majesty, the King. And we pray that you would also bless our government. Would you give them wisdom? Would you give them life? Would you give them the opportunity to serve you as you've called them? Lord, we pray for local counsellors. We pray for local leaders. We pray that they would know your goodness and your guiding and your leading. Put them on our hearts regularly to pray for them, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, we bring our city to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our city, our town or our village. We picture it now. We pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done across our nation. We pray people would give their hearts to you. We pray that all of those people working for the common good would be blessed and would know your presence by them. We pray that people would turn their hearts towards you and they would see you in their everyday lives. We thank you for the people that serve us and give us goodness and bring um, community to us. And we pray that they would know blessing and encouragement from you today. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we end just by praying the prayer that Jesus taught us. As we say together. Our Father Father
0: in heaven, hallowed be your name.
7: Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth
5: as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread.
0: Forgive us our sins. As we we forgive those who sin against us. us.
5: Lead us not into temptation.
0: But deliver us from evil.
5: For the kingdom. The power and the glory are yours, now and forever.
0: Amen.
1: Spirit sound rushing wind fire of God for within Holy Ghost breathe on us we pray as we repent turn from sin revival amber smoldering breath of God fan us into flames we need a friend fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out
4: faith and deed, refine his fire, strengthen
3: what he needs. So we the church, you bear your
1: of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, a holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out.
4: All the world and his troubles take heart, for he has overcome. All the world and his troubles take heart, for God has overcome. All the world and his troubles take heart, for he has overcome. All the world and his troubles
3: take heart,
4: for God has overcome.
3: All the child in troubles Take on he has of the All the worlds in his troubles
0: so much for joining us today. It has been a privilege to worship together and now a blessing as we close. May God give to you and to all those you love his comfort and his peace, his light and his joy in this world and the next. And the blessing of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.